0: Hi, I'm Dr. Sonia Whitaker, host of the Sonia Whitaker Podcast 2.0. Students know more that children know more than we think, and I believe that because there's been so many times as school district official that I have visited schools and have become absolutely convinced that our results of the standardized test. Do not mirror, do not reflect their intellectual capabilities. I'll suggest that we should pause for a moment as educators and ask ourselves, what role do we play as educators in making that happen? In June of 2019, California made headlines for becoming the first state to outlaw the discrimination of individuals doing what we can do together what i'm most proud of for our district and i know i'm not alone in this is we have worked together unintentionally would serve as counterproductive to supporting all children and more specifically black children in reaching their fullest uh, intellectual potential New York City schools, particularly as it related to the number of students of color. The purpose of this podcast is not to admire problems. The purpose of this podcast is to identify issues that are impacting education, either directly or indirectly, and to provide for you recommendations for how to resolve the issues that have been identified so that you may continue about the business of ensuring that all students gain equitable access to a quality education. Education and migration. Education and migration. I'd like to start out by telling you... um, the spirit by which I enter into this dialogue or exchange rather, it actually comes as a direct result of me returning from a trip and walking through O'Hare Airport located in Chicago, Illinois. And as I made my way through the area that um, where the shuttle buses are I couldn't help but to notice the families, the migrant families that had essentially made that area of the airport home for a few days. And, um, and I'll, I'll just be straight up with you and tell you. And my heart was broken, especially as I think about the fact that we are entering into the holiday season. And more specifically, at the time of this recording, Thanksgiving, I remember vividly watching a mother brush her daughter's hair. Like literally, they were sitting on a sleeping bag in the section of O'Hara Airport where the shuttles are posted up outside of there and she was brushing her hair and the level of care that that mother gave to her daughter listen you all i can't help but to be a bit just taken back about that observation that i made because it dawned on me at that moment that that mother really cared for her daughter and her daughter was having a really hard time sitting still she was doing like Uh, Little girls do just kind of twirling around and just dancing and just doing everything but sitting still so that her mother could finish her hair. But I guess I'm saying all that to say that in the little girl's eyes, you could tell that she really didn't understand all that was going on, not fully and completely, as it related to having to flee from her country. All that it appeared that mattered to her at that moment was the time spent with her mother and that her mother was doing the best she can to give her um, a sense of pride in herself by brushing her hair. That was one moment I had relevant to what I want to talk to you about. But another moment that I had was just watching on the news a couple of times where the news reporters showed pictures of migrant families outside of a police station in Chicago. And right away, I began to focus on the children. And what I thought was, what was stood out rather most to me is that a few times I actually saw that same scene during the day with regards to what the news media made available us visually and in many instances, there were children. So during the regular school day when our students, America students were in school, I saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of school-aged children, migrants who were sitting with their families and they were not being educated. And so actually it was at that moment that I thought that I wanted to at least begin to formulate my thinking more formally on the topic but then I held back and then most recently I saw on the news that a police officer and I believe he is from the Chicago Police Department uh, took it upon himself to provide books to children and in fact that's exactly what he did let me pause for a moment and let you hear more about this. It was several months ago that the Chicago police officer noticed that the children of the newly arrived migrants into Chicago did not have any books, and he set out to change that. Books should be available for everybody. Officer Jesus Megayon began his mission to hand out books to the children newly arrived to Chicago over the summer. On the force the since state 2018, state this state. police officer started his career as a public school teacher and is now a Ph.D. candidate at DePaul. Education uh-huh. and reading are very important to him. Sí, te quiero, mi cielo. Just the, the way a book is structured, the stories that are being told, uh, l- let's say even the content, it, you know, it could be uh, uh, just learning more about any given subject on any given day, and that's the beauty and the power of books. You're, you're able to, with, with, that, with that at your uh, table side, and you having access to that, you know, you can learn anything. And that's, I think, a very powerful concept. So far, he's given away hundreds of books, many of them coming from Bernie's Book Bank on the North Shore. He believes that one book can make a difference for these young minds. That's the beauty of books. You find something that interests you, that you have a passion about, and you ride that and that you take it from there. I really just want to keep this focus on our books and and education for our youth because I think there's so much good uh, things that could happen from there. And so the point that I'm making by sharing that with you is relevant to the overall thought that I'm having these days as it relates to what some would refer to as a humanitarian crisis. My interest is not necessarily to respond to that line of thinking, but rather to suggest that we focus on the word human in humanity. And to suggest that we lead our efforts from a um, humanitarian perspective toward doing what we can within our realm of power, our area of expertise and responsibility to ensure that the children are well. Many of you who have heard me speak nationally have heard me open up a lot of my speaking engagements by posing the question, and how are the children? If so, you'll recall that that is a greeting that the members of the Messiah tribe give to one another in Africa when they see each other. They literally walk up to each other and pose the question, and how are the children? And they respond, the, the manner rather in which they respond is one that I think that we should all strive for and to be able to respond in the way that they do, which is, and all the children are well. And so I'd like to be able to pose to those of us in America the question And how are the children? And then to have all of us to be able to respond, regardless of our ethnic background, regardless of our native language, regardless of our ability level, and regardless of our sexual orientation, that all the children are well. And what's so powerful, again, about that level of greeting and response specific to the Messiah tribe in Africa is that they pride themselves in being able to respond that all the children are well. And so in this instance, again, as it relates to focusing on the word human and humanity, I'd like to charge all of us with the responsibility of determining what we can do within our area of expertise. Again, within our area of authority, to make sure that all of the children that come within the sound of our voice or the presence of our sight are well, are better off today than they were yesterday, always, and more specifically, as we enter into uh, this holiday season. Now, what I have not done is attempted to address this topic from a policy perspective. It is important, however, to know that policy perspectives actually exist and as is indicated in the research report entitled the road to integration education and migration it is stated that migration has been at the center of policy of public policy debates across our country in recent years largely because of the refugee crisis Policy responses aimed at supporting and facilitating the integration of immigrants have been deeply ingrained and polarizing in many countries and not just ours. For those of you who want to look at addressing the topic from a policy perspective, I would encourage you to read and study the road to integration, education and migration. I also want to make sure that you recognize that their synthesized report identifies eight pillars of policy making. And the eight pillars they ask for us to consider from a policy perspective is consider the heterogeneity of immigrant populations, develop approaches to promote the overall well-being of immigrants, address the unique needs of refugee students, ensure that motivation translates as a key asset for immigrant communities, provide comprehensive language support, organize resources to reduce the influence of socioeconomic status on the outcomes of immigrants, build the capacity of teachers to deal with diversity and break down barriers to social cohesion while ensuring effective service delivery. From a policy perspective, those are the pillars that are recommended that we should consider as it relates to developing a framework for our work. And now back on the human side of things, what I'm gonna close is to suggest that as educational leaders, that we began to examine our policies, which then, our existing policies, which then influence the practices that occur within our district to make sure that we are being culturally responsive as it relates to meeting the needs of students who actually make it into our system. Our goal is to ensure that when we use the term equity, that that also includes ensuring that the students that arrive in our systems, those students that are not denied access to a high quality education within our respective organizations, that we practice what I call the policy of intentionality as it relates to making sure that we are ready to receive them, that we are aware of what our obligation is as it relates to ensuring the academic, the social and the emotional support of the students that I have described. And in closing, back to the word human humanity, I would like for us to consider outside of our nine to five as educational leaders, working together collaboratively to determine how we might be a blessing to the children that have made their way into our country, that really don't understand the extent to which they are being impacted as it relates to politics around this conversation, so that we may demonstrate that America is truly one of the best places to be in all of this earth I thank you very much for your gift of time and I look forward to continuing to grow with you thank you for listening to the Sonia Whitaker podcast 2.0 you can follow Sonia on all social media platforms at Sonia Whitaker S-O-N-Y-A W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R also you can access her podcasts on her website SoniaWhitaker.com Click on live and on-demand radio to listen to previous podcast episodes.